Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Evan. And welcome to Podstetrics. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podstetrics. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking about contraception. Yeah. So something a little bit different to what we've usually done, just because we kind of teeter on the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is, yeah, so this is a little bit different to what we've done, but we feel it's really, really important to talk about. There isn't that much information provided to women widely about no, contraception, and even men. contraceptive options. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's really important that both men and women are empowered when it comes to knowing about contraception um, and how to go about getting it and why you would get it and the different methods that you would use mm. for contraception. Yeah. Um, because it's really important. We're going to cover the reasons why it's important a little bit later in the podcast. But first, we'll just start off with a medical disclaimer. So this podcast is not for medical advice. If you do have any queries or concerns, please see your healthcare provider. So let's start off with a bit of a discussion about why contraception is so important. So according to contraception.org, an amazing website that I would encourage all of our listeners to go and have a look at, um, of all births in Australia, almost half of them are unplanned. So it is important to decide if having a child is right for you and your partner. Yeah, so I suppose why are unplanned births important? They're important because of many reasons, but two of them are. Well, first of all, financial. Mm -hmm. So you need to be financially able to support a child. Um, Firstly, to support the child in their development, but then also to support yourself or your partner. Um, But also, it also becomes uh, a a topic that we've talked about before, Kayla, personally. Um, It comes to the progression of education of women. Um, So often if women... Um, often when women have children, they either don't continue with their education or they're stemmed from going and getting an education. Um, and then through that, there's less empowerment and, and less access to things like jobs. Yeah. And then that further influences their financial decisions. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And contraception does give you a method for planning Absolutely. for all of this. And ultimately, it gives you choice. It gives you choice. Yeah. My body, my choice. Your body, your choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not only this, but contraception is also commonly used for other indications. So this includes things like PCOS, acne, and heavy and painful periods. And I feel like that point is not stressed enough. Absolutely. So yeah. it's not just about preventing pregnancy, but it's about pre- preventing some of the things that come along with having a period yeah. that may be exacerbated in some women. But some women, women might not just want to get a period, and that's okay. And that's okay too. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit more about this website. So it does um, run you through some common myths to do with contraception. It does provide for you a questionnaire to find the right contraceptive method for you because there are a number of different contraceptive methods, which we'll go through in this episode. Um, And it gives you kind of like a, a guide to help you in talking to the people that are around you, as well as people like your GP. Yeah. Um, to provide you these different contraceptive methods. Is this going to be right for me? Is it not right? For mm-hmm. me? And how to broach that conversation. And it's just to totally remind right. everyone as well, the website is www.contraception.org.au. Yeah. So it's really important that these discussions are had to, there is, there shouldn't be any judgment. I'm not going to say there is no judgment. There mm-hmm. shouldn't be any judgment when it comes to contraception. Um, there are a number of different factors which may change which method of contraception is right for you. Because again, There are a number of different methods, um, but some of these include costs. It can be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Side effects of different medications, because again, with every medication, there are associated side effects. And unfortunately, contraception is not immune to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Level of invasiveness and the ease of use of certain contraceptions as well. Yeah. Um, It's also really important to highlight that 
only condoms prevent against things like sexually transmitted infections. Yeah, say it again for uh, pe- louder for people in the back. <laughs> louder for people in the back. Only condoms. No, only condoms prevent against sexually transmitted infections. Yes. Really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, the whatever contraceptive method that you choose to take is not or should not be the only contraceptive method that you may use. Absolutely. Yeah. So main adverse reactions associated, they're mainly associated with things like estrogen. So you do have a a risk of migraine. Um, Migraine with aura is a contraindication. And you were explaining to me uh, what aura is before. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to take that away? Because I can't remember what you said. Yeah. So really, so the migraine with aura is any preceding neurological deficit that will come before the migraine. So this is commonly like people that see things like flashing lights or changes to their vision um, or may may feel a little bit different before the migraine comes along. So that's an absolute contraindication for the um, uh, for the um, combined oral contraceptive pill. Yeah. There's an increased risk of things like VTE and Mm -hmm. risk of breast and cervical cancer as well. So contraception can't be used in patients with a current or previous diagnosis of any of the above. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we're going to go through the different methods of contraception. The way we've broken this up is first we're going to run you through the methods of contraception that we use commonly. So we're going to talk a little bit of, a little bit about how it's administered, the failure rates, any side effects, and any other important information we think you should know. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll run you through emergency contraception. So this is something, for example, um, if you have um, an accident during sex or if the condom breaks or something like that, how you go about getting an emergency contraceptive Mm -hmm. method and we'll talk about that as well so we'll start off with the most uh, common one and that's the uh, combined oral contraceptive pill also known as a cocp and this contains estrogen which inhibits something called fsh which is follicle stimulating hormone and progesterone which inhibits inhibits lh which is a luteinizing hormone and if you can't remember what these hormones are then i suggest you go back to our physiology of pregnancy um, episode to find out a little bit more about them it is a complex cycle though absolutely So just remembering as well that progesterone also leads to thinning of the endometrium, which then leads to a less heavy period, which is important. So how are these done? So you have a packet of pills and there are 21 active pills and then seven sugar pills. So the pills that are active have hormones in them and they're taken for 21 days to prevent ovulation. Then after this, you take the seven sugar pills um, and the seven sugar pills will allow you to menstruate, so to have your period. So it gives you that regular and i put in um what are the bunny ears called quotations yeah <laughs> uh, regular um a regular 28 day cycle mm-hmm. yeah. and it's really important to know as well that this sugar pill is completely optional so women are in absolute control of when and if they have their periods so you can for example miss a month you can miss three months or you can miss six months there is a maximum amount of time that you shouldn't Um, miss a period but then you can discuss this with your gp in terms of the failure rates you're looking at about 0.3 to 8 percent it's a big gap yeah so the reason why that gap is so big is because with things like the uh, combined oral contraceptive pill you need to take them regularly Mm -hmm. and so it's really easy to miss them so if you're someone that misses them or or is hard like finds it hard i suppose to um, take pills on time then this can affect um, the actual success rate or, or uh, increase the failure rate. So some things that women can do are taking it at the same time every day, um, letting your partner know to remind you if you miss taking a pill or setting an alarm every morning that reminds you to take the pill. So some of the side effects are things like headache, nausea and vomiting, breast tenderness, bloating and weight gain. So some important additional information. Information. So if you do miss a dose, if it's within 12 hours, then you can just take the next dose. 
if it's between 12 to 24 hours, you can take you can take the next pill, but then for seven days you do need to use barrier contraception. Um, so that's really the main thing to know about. It becomes a little bit more uh, complicated um, as to when you miss the pill. So if it's in the first one to two weeks, then you would take two pills and then use condoms for seven days. But if it's in weeks three to four, then you would use barrier contraception until the next cycle. It sounds very complicated. It is. So yeah. that's another thing that can affect the failure rate. So it's really important to have a really robust conversation with the GP and the pharmacist and even read up online just to ensure that you know everything that comes around the pill. Yeah. Um, it's also really important to know that the pill can lose efficacy with certain things. So it can lose how potent it is. So things like alcohol, antibiotics, anti-epileptics, and even over-the-counter medications like yeah. St. John's wort can affect affect how how robust the pill is yeah so the next pill that we'll talk about is the progesterone only pill or otherwise more colloquially known as the mini pill um so it does only contain progesterone as the name suggests um so in simplicity terms because this complex is this this cycle in, in itself is quite complex so we have an inhibition of things like luteinizing hormone stopping ovulation because there is still estrogen we have follicle stimulating hormone will still be released and follicles will still develop so the physiology behind this is quite complex so again reiterating go back to go back to baby podstetrics mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the first episodes um in terms of administration we have pills are taken for approximately 21 days again should be taking at the same time each day reiterating the same thing that evan was just talking about or within three hours in regards to failure rate we're looking at a 1.1 percent to 13 percent so again quite a lot of leeway there um in regards to side effects again same side effects for progesterone so we're looking at breast tenderness acne uh, alteration to sex drive, uh, nausea and vomiting, and headache. Uh, important things to consider if the pill is missed or taken more than three hours later, barrier contraception again should be used for seven days. This can be used during breastfeeding. Why did I say that so weird? During breastfeeding, <laughs> there is there is no estrogen that would affect this process. So again, another misconception is that breastfeeding acts as um, a natural contraceptive mm-hmm, which is uh, not true yeah no so um again we'd encourage women uh during their um early postnatal days to have this discussion with uh their obstetrician their midwife uh really any healthcare professional that is there taking care of you mm-hmm. so now we move to Depo-Provera so Depo-Provera is an injection of progesterone and it lasts about three months so it lasts 12 weeks and it acts in the same way as progesterone. And this is an intramuscular injection. So why would we get Depo-Provera? This is a really hard one. Depo-Provera. It's really because it leaves no sign that the woman has had contraception administered. So for some women, they may not want um, something invasive, like which we'll talk about later. But they also might not be in the position with their partners um, to be able to take the pill every day or to have something like a rod underneath their arm which could be seen so this is definitely something that is very um very private yeah um and that the woman only would know yeah and so this is an injection so the failure rate is very very low um and this usually it's given by the gp but it can also be self-administered it has the same side effects as the cocp or as the mini pill but the main side effect that it has that we're worried about is this transient decline in bone density so for women that have things like osteoporosis for example we would not want to use something like no. Depo-Provera. 
Um, the other thing about Depo-Provera as well is it's not really good for younger women. So women that want to have a contraceptive method where when they cessate that contraceptive method, they can fall pregnant, pregnant. really quickly. Because generally the contraceptive benefits of Depo-Provera last about a year. Yeah. So for about a year um, after the injection, um, you shouldn't really be... Um, you can't really... No, uh, fall pregnant. pregnant it, yeah. You can, of course, but it's much but, harder. Yeah. Um, the other really good thing, though, about Depo-Provera is that 70% of women get complete cessation of their periods. Mm. So if you do have something like endometriosis or something like really heavy periods, then Depo-Provera um, is really good at preventing that. Yeah. The next one that we're going to talk about is the Implanon. So I, I, this is weirdly quite a popular one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, I've, I've seen a lot of women have it, but that might be just me. Anyway, um, so the Implanon is a small progesterone-coated rod that sits under the skin and it lasts for approximately three years. So again, it's a subdermal rod, uh, which releases really small concentrations of progesterone. Um, the failure rate is really small. So it's 99.8% effective. So that's probably the most effective one that we've talked about so mm-hmm. far. Not probably, it is the most effective. <laughs> anyway, uh, in regards to side effects, the same side effects as progesterone. So we also have on top of that um, spotting in 33% of cases, as well as, m- m- I can't... Menorrhagia. Menor- thank you, because I, I can never say that word, uh, in 33% of cases as well. Uh, it shouldn't be given to women who have liver disease. It's really good in young women when it is when it is removed. It There is a quick return to fertility, unlike the Depo-Provera. Mm-hmm. So some women do get, again, some women do get spotting or menorrhagia. Yeah. I did a good, good job. Okay, thank and you. And <laughs> with the Implanon, it's really small. It's about the size of a matchstick. It does yeah. sit in the inner arm. Yeah. So in the uh, bicep, in the inner bicep. So you can see it and feel it. You can so feel that's it. One thing oh, it as feels well. so, so weird. Yeah, so that's yeah. one reason why a woman might not want to get an Implanon. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we move to what we call LARCs. So these are your long-acting reversible contraceptive methods. These are extremely, extremely effective, but the uptake in younger women is quite low. And I think the reason for this is because they're very invasive, Mm -hmm. but also in women that um, have not had children before, they can be painful. Because obviously you're trying to dilate a cervix that has not been opened by a baby's head before. Um, And so, you know, that might be a reason why a lot of women might not want to get it done. Mm -hmm. So again, the Mirena, it's an intrauterine device and it releases progesterone. And it's really small amounts of progesterone. You don't need to worry about the progesterone being broken down in the body because it's being released directly into the uterus. Mm -hmm. So this means that there's going to be thinning of the endometrium. So this helps with heavy periods, but there's no inhibition of luteinizing hormone. So there is still ovulation which will take place, um, but you won't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So um, the main reason why you won't get pregnant is because you have things like thinning of the endometrium and you also have this mucus plug which forms as well, which prevents sperm from entering um, into through the cervix into the uterus um, to fertilize the sperm. Ah, uh, to fertilize the sperm. <laughs> to the sperm, sperm fertilize the sperm. To fertilize Don't the egg, fertilize sorry. Sperm. Oh, goodness me. I didn't know um, that was possible. Wow. So the marina lasts for a long amount of time. It lasts for five years. Um, so it's done at the GP, so it's done by a GP that's trained in inserting the marina, or it's done by um, a gynecologist. Um, so if the woman is nulliparous, so again has never had um, a child before, then you might need to go under a general anaesthetic to get it done. Yeah. So the failure rate is extremely small, it's something like 99.9% effective, the same side effects again as progesterone. So the marina is really used... Um, uh, one of the main reasons why it's used is because it's it's the best method we have to control heavy periods. So for women that have endometriosis or for women that, women that have things like fibroids and things like that, it's really effective 
um, to reduce the actual, um, I guess, um, how 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 would I describe it? How heavy the flow is. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a quick return to fertility once removed, and 80% of pe- uh, patients have less painful periods. So again, yeah. really good for um, yeah. patients with endometriosis. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the copper intrauterine device, and it prevents fertilization from occur- occurring. So it is spermicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, so this can usually be done in clinic and there is a failure rate of less than 1%. So again, quite effective. Uh, some common side effects of this one are heavy and more painful periods, unfortunately. Um, it can be used as an emergency contraceptive with a small risk of infection mm. as well. Yep. yep. Um, so now next we move on to condoms. So pretty self-explanatory, but the failure rate is quite high, yeah. 15%. This is because, um, I guess, of three main reasons. They either break, they either slip off or are removed, um, yeah. or the person gets the wrong size. So the main side effects are the male or the female could have a latex allergy, and again, it could slip off or break. The main thing is it's the only real way to prevent against sexually transmitted infections. Yes, so they are still important. Absolutely. But I guess the method of putting them on is also really important. Uh, and <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, I don't really know much about that. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, next, next now we move into the vasectomies. I feel so, like you should talk about this yes. as well. Um, vasectomies <laughs> are where the vas deferens are ligated. So the vas deferens is what carries the sperm. And this is done under a local anesthetic. This is extremely, extremely um, good. Um, the failure rate... <laughs> extremely good. The, yes. the, well, the, the, yeah, the failure rate is less than 0.01%. The main side effects are bleeding or pain. Um, but really, I guess the main thing is just because you have a vasectomy done doesn't mean that the contraceptive benefits are obtained straight away. So generally at three months and 12 months, you do need to do a semen analysis. And this is to ensure that there are no sperm in the sample. Yeah. Um, but this method is actually preferred compared to tubal ligation yeah. because generally tubal ligation is final, whereas um, a vasectomy can be reversed. I'm thinking of a TV show. There was a TV show that I was watching where they thought that a vasectomy meant cutting it off and i forgot what, what tv it? show that was it's a comedy obviously i feel like it's the office <laughs> it's probably yeah it was the office <laughs> was it dwight yeah it was i don't think it was dwight getting the vasectomy i think it was someone else getting the vasectomy and they just thought it would anyway let's move on yeah um, so the next one is tubal ster- sterilization. So essentially the, the fallopian tubes are ligated. And this is usually performed during a C-section or two days after vaginal delivery, again, as a method of contraception. Um, so the failure rate is less than 0.01%, but the main side effect to this or the main risk is the risk associated with surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now lastly, we have the Billings method. So this is one of the old, oldest methods used. So normally the mucus in the cervix is thick, uh, thick and thick, thick, is thick and stretchy. It's quite thick. And then during ovulation, it becomes clear and thin. So you can actually use this to time when you have intercourse. So that's the Billings method. You would literally take some. Because I've never, I've never yeah. heard of this. Method so before. you would, you would literally put your finger in, take some mucus off the cervix, and then do. I'm making a making a hand signal, and no one can really see it. But imagine touching your middle finger and your thumb together and kind of stretching it out okay. and then you would look at the colour of it and then that would tell you when ovulation is occurring. So has it occurred, has it not occurred? Oh, that's so not that's, effective at all. That's not very effective, no. but it's, it's quite effective, uh, um, which is weird. 
Oh. If a woman, like history if, says that if, it's if quite woman, effective. But... Well, interestingly, when they used to do IVF at Monash first in the 80s, yeah. they would put cervical mucus on slides and then grade it okay, based but that's, on... that's different. Like, are we saying that the Billings method is done at home? Yeah, some women use it. Oh, uh, that's... Yeah, because uh, I, I guess, guess once you know uh, your you, mucus... You then... know your body better than anybody else, yeah. so that does make sense. But yeah. I was going to say, it is very, I guess, subjective. Yeah. yeah. And then we have two more methods of contraception that are used. So the other method is uh, commonly known as pulling out. This uh, is not very effective. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> We do not, um, Podstetrics does not recommend using this as your main form of contraception. No, um, never trust a man. (laughs) And then the last one, which is the last one, which is the only one that has a failure rate of zero is, of course, abstaining. Yeah. Look, I went to an all girls Catholic high school, so you can imagine that actually that was the only form of contraception (laughs) that was taught to us. Too soon. Yeah. Too soon. Oh, me. Anyway, um, so let's now move on, please, to emergency contraception, aka the morning after pill. Mm-hmm. So the first one is the progesterone only. Uh, this is quite a high dose of 1.5 milligrams of levengestrel. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so. In regards to administration, we're looking at two tablets that are taken together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have a failure rate of 1% to 2%, which is not too bad considering it is a morning after pill. It is a let's just make sure mm-hmm. after. Um, in regards to side effects, there is a slight increased risk of an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and in ter- in regards to like some sort of extra, extra information, so should be used within three days of unprotected sex. If you vomit within the first two hours of taking the dose, it may need to be readministered. I have heard, don't ask me how I know this, um, in regards to side effects, it does make you quite um, sick yeah. for about yeah. 24 to 48 yeah. hours. So you'd Sometimes have like nausea, feel, vomiting, bloating. Well, you don't, yeah, as long as, the, as, long yeah. as that happens after the first two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, next we have the uh, combination pill. So this is called Ulipristal. And here we have estrogen and progesterone so this is two hours taken at two hours this is two tablets taken 12 hours apart the failure rate is slightly higher so two to three percent um the main side effect is nausea and the main reason why we use this one is it can be used up to five days post intercourse so just remembering the progesterone only is three days the combination pill is five days however it's still recommended that you use it within three days of unprotected intercourse or anything like that and then finishing off we have the copper IUD. So this is done in a clinic. Again, the failure rate for this is the lowest. It's only 0.1%. The main side effects, as we've talked about before, are the heavy, more painful periods. But the main thing here is it can be used five days post, post unprotected sex, yeah. but it can also provide you then with contraception for, for up to 12, 12 years. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So that brings us to the end of our contraception episode. It was quite an interesting episode yeah yeah there's so many different methods of contraception that are available we haven't talked about all of them so we haven't talked about things like female condoms and diaphragms and things like that yeah but you can find that all on the website that we suggested yeah so um like we say every week please um give us a a, so you can stream this episode on spotify apple pop so we i feel like we haven't done this in a while we haven't (laughs) so you can stream us on spotify apple podcasts and Castbox. And you can find us on pretty much all social media platforms. If you Google Podstetrics, I'm sure we will come up. I don't know. We haven't Googled ourselves in a while. Yeah. And also, <laughs> we've had now about 3,000 cumulative downloads. Yeah. So we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. And we hope that we can keep 
putting out good Love content. Y'all. y'all are legends. Thank you. Why you say y'all? Y'all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. Stay safe, guys. And take care of yourselves. Bye. Thank you.